Hello friends, welcome to the Nas Red Podcast, or Nas Red Talks About Movies, a place where movies are discussed. On today's show, Jesse returns to review with me the film Magnificent Seven, directed by Antoine Fuqua. That's good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, Jesse, I guess uh, in editing it, I played the theme music. So, I will play yeah. the theme music right now. Nasred and Jesse, they watch the films. Nasred and Jesse, they watch the films. Nasred and Jesse, they watch the films and. They like to critique them cause they're critics They watch the films and then they Talk about watching those films! Nasred and Jesse, they watch the films Nasred and Jesse are great Okay, we're back! And so the movie that we watched was Magnificent Seven So I guess, Jesse, we'll go, what did you think, what did I think, and then we will have a discussion sure. Jesse, what did you think of this film, Magnificent Seven, directed by Antoine Fuqua, starring Denzel Washington? Well, uh, it, was, it was entertaining uh, It was definitely a PG-13 western right. um, I mean, I don't, I, it feels weird restating the facts, but it's very much a 2016 movie. There's there's a lot of violence. There's not a lot of uh, blood or, you know, kind of visceral elements, but there's a ton of killing. So, uh, you know, that's it's it's it was fun to watch. It's interesting how it's doing this plot that's been done, you know, a few times. Like I was, I was kind of just curious to see what kind of western it was going to be going for and it was kind of by the numbers like you you know you see every kind of stunt and takedown mm-hmm. like honestly there were a couple points where it reminded me of blazing saddles because right. like the movie opens with a bunch of like townspeople in a church kind of freaking out right and like i don't know like okay the the thing that i was most interested with this movie about was where it falls on the spectrum of racial representation and historical values and things like that because uh the western you can kind of do anything it can be in any there's a lot of there's a lot of different time periods you know they're usually post-civil war and especially now because uh the slavery issue is is really tough to contend with and still try to be entertaining without Mm -hmm. you know to deal with that gravity and so i kind of I've created, like, my own spectrum of, like, it's, you know, movies fall somewhere between Wild Wild West and, and Django Unchained <laughs> as far as as far as far where they're going to go with the history of it. Right. And um, 
I I sort of imagined that this movie would lean closer to Django, mm-hmm. but it actually was much more in, in right. line with Wild Wild yeah, West. Yeah. Um, it had, you know, it even had uh, a couple of uh, sort of almost steampunk-esque uh, gadgets in there, right. you know, like, like I'm not going to, I don't want to spoil stuff, but like, there was just some stuff in there where it was a little bit... Uh, it was just closer to a shoot 'em up action movie uh-huh. than a historical piece. Right. It's more of like, again, it's this action movie that just happens to be set in the West with horses and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's not. It's 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 really just you know the the plot. I can. It's an it's an attractive structure. You know, you want to get you get instead of like one badass fighting a bunch of people, it's a whole team of badasses, right. and so. It's kind of funny because um, I think of. Uh, oh, sorry, I'm drawing a blank. Cause I sorry, it's cool. A plan is going by. Fucking oh. Harrison Ford. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my god, I saw my phone for a second. No, no, it's yeah. cool. Did the um, phone throw you off? Yes, it did. <laughs> anyway, um, what was I just saying? You god. were saying it falls between. It falls closer to Wild Wild West. It's a shoot 'em up. It's uh, um, it's just it's just steampunk elements. Yeah, it's just very much about. Um, oh, it's right. It's it's about collect. The thing that I always think is funny is that this movie and uh, sort of Avengers. I I heard this thing from a writer where he he made this comment that an audience can't remember more than seven characters, mm-hmm. and that's that's, that's why, funny. Yeah. That's why uh, with ensembles like this, that's, that's usually about as far as you can really push it. Right. And I, I do kind of buy that. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you can kind of remember three, three and one, like as far as like being able to remember who is who and kind of care about what they're all doing and who they are to each other. So, you know, it's, and I, I didn't know that Nick Pizzoletto or Pizzoletto, the guy who wrote true detective, uh, was one of the co-screenwriters. And so that, that, made it a little more interesting as an adaptation mm-hmm. to see what they did with that because but, you knew it was coming from kind of a darker place or? well because it I, mostly it's just because it's this uh author who's become a screenwriter you know and he has a kind of interesting perspective on stuff right and uh you know the again uh depending on what you thought of season two of true detective Oy. and like <laughs> But uh, but I still th- think he's he's an interesting guy, and I was curious to see what he did with it. And the thing is, is like it was fun to watch, and I Chris Pratt is very entertaining, yeah. and uh, you know the directors work with Denzel, and you can tell that they that he really knows how to make him look badass mm-hmm. and tough. Um, and I was I was kind of interested to see what they were they were going to deviate because I haven't seen I haven't actually seen Magnificent Seven, the Yul Brenner one. I got. I'm, I've, yeah. I've, I've I've seen the Kurosawa one a bunch mm-hmm. of times, and uh, you aren't missing much. It's not that great. I mean, I, that's the thing is, I love <laughs> Kurosawa, and I'm like, okay, I could go watch, you know, this remake. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, there's, it's interesting to see people reinterpret his stuff. But I was I was mostly curious to see how they were going to try to 2016 this right, thing right, right, right. in terms of of racial representation, mm-hmm. and so they do have like. You know, they have an Indian character, they have a Mexican guy, it's not just a team of white guys. Right. So that was, and you know, and actually, the thing that, uh, Denzel's, you know, he's the Yul Brenner leader guy, mm-hmm. he's the Toshiro, Mif- Toshiro Mifuni part, mm-hmm. and, 
you know, it's so weird because, like, he's wearing, you know, he's the good guy. Right. And he wears a black hat. And yeah, that yeah. just completely goes against Western yeah, 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 iconography. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it makes, and that's, I don't know, like, it really felt Wild Wild West be in the sense that no one ever says any racial epithets. Right. There's no comments. Uh, like, there's no, there's no hate. Right, right, right. There's no hate. There's no ignorant people. There's no, like... It, everybody's just in the West and they're trying to make it. Right. But like, even the bad guys aren't like, are the bad, the main bad guy is like the standard, you know, mustache twirling mm-hmm, dick. Mm-hmm. But as far as like period accuracy, dick, dickness, mm-hmm. like wasn't really there. Yeah, and yeah. like, I felt like that's like a missed opportunity. Cause right. like these guys, like, I don't know. Like, I'm not trying to go to movies necessarily to, like, come to terms with, like, racial tension. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's not what necessarily what they're for either. But it just seemed like you have these bad guys and they're they're in this time period where they, they you know, where they're being they're they're being opposed by people that they should consider their lessers. Uh-huh. And they don't really treat them or talk to them in such a way. And like, it just, it just feels uh, wild, wild west. Right, like right, right. it just, and it doesn't make it less entertaining, but it makes it uh, a little bit of a fantasy. Right. Like it, and and uh, and I didn't quite know what kind of tone I was in for mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. this, because um, I I just wanted I just wanted to see what it was going to do with right. the western, and that's the thing is that like it kind of. It goes by the numbers. You see, like, every kind of, of horse takedown. Like, literally, like, guy walks into the bar and a guy comes flying out the window right after he walks in. Like, <laughs> Blazing Saddles jokes. Yeah. And, like, but without... But Blazing Saddles was more was way more right. upfront about race stuff and, and hatred and ignorance in the West. Than, and this movie just basically ignored all of that right. Right. in the interest of doing this plot. And it was fun to watch but it just like they kind of like there's a japanese character and he's he talks you know he's ethan hawk's uh companion right and uh and again like you would think there would be like some kind of an lgbt narrative there or something Mm -hmm. there's not they don't even hint at it because like he's just like budget for that (laughs) i don't know it's like he comes with me like we're always together and like i help him navigate the white man's world and that like made sense to kind of justify why this like asian guy who's like a badass is just kind of hanging around with this white dude but like again like i thought it was either gonna be like more progressive or i don't know just it's just this very middle of the road yeah i see and and uh i i it was fun and well made and you know chris pratt is continuing to just be a a, a fun person to watch on screen and uh and I was curious about who was going to make it in the end because mm-hmm. that to me was the big was the big difference is who like are they are they going to just have the same two characters that make it in the in the in Seven Samurai right. are their equivalents going to survive or is there going to be something different? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so they did do something different, but it just doesn't seem to add up to anything. Right, like right, they right. they went a different direction, but it, it doesn't say anything and it doesn't like it it just seems like they're like well we're supposed to do it this way now because we shouldn't punish uh uh the 
I'm gonna spoil. Okay, it. okay. Uh, people, we're gonna t- uh, from five seconds from now, we're gonna talk <laughs> full spoilers. Okay, one, two, two three, three, four, five. five. Go. Okay, so at the end of the movie, the three characters that live are the minority characters. Is mm-hmm. Denzel the black guy? Actually, they killed the Asian dude, but they let the Native American guy, the Comanche guy. and the Mexican guy live. Yeah, and. And not really for any reason, like, they just happen to make it out, like, you don't really, it, no, and no one really messes with them. That was the one thing that kind of pissed me off, is that, like, the guys that make it at the end, like, they show them fighting, but they don't really show them, like, getting into any trouble and right. getting out of it. They're just kind of hanging around the fringe of the fight, yeah, like, yeah. killing people and yeah. trying to make it. But, like... None of the bad guys ever try to, like, really take them out and, like, where they have to fight and get get out of it or anything. Right, right, right. They just kind of are just still there at the end. Yeah. And then they all ride off. And, like, I was like, okay, that's great that, like, we didn't have to see the Indian guy get killed. And, like, the Indian guy, of course, fights the bad Indian. There's a bad Indian. And, of course, the bad Indian is threatening the white woman. Yes. And then and that's, the, and like... The, and then the, the the good Indian comes and saves her yeah. and tells the bad Indian that he's a disgrace. And the and the bad Indian is, like, working for the white bad guys. But, like, the, the other dude is, yeah. you know, he's... he's None of them are, are... Neither of them are helping Indians. Right, <laughs> so, right, right. So, like, it, it, it just... Like that that really seemed ham fisted right. and poorly done. Like I you know I it was nice that they didn't just have another Hollywood movie where another white dude in a cowboy hat kills another Native American yeah, man. Yeah. I, I didn't need to see more of that on screen and they, they didn't go there. But what they did instead was to have an Indian fight an Indian and I I don't know. <laughs> like I don't know how to how to how to negotiate that yeah, because yeah. It, it i understand like they're trying to be they're trying to to move past what we you know the the history of the genre right but it it what it just it's just too in the middle yeah, yeah it's yeah. the thing is is this movie was fun but it was incredibly safe right that's right. what i've been trying to get at this entire mm-hmm. time is that it's it's fun and it's entertaining and it does the beats of the story and the star personas you know of of denzel and and mostly chris pratt in my opinion carry it like Mm -hmm. denzel doesn't denzel's underplaying Mm -hmm. he doesn't get he never raises his voice he never goes into his like i'm the loud you know i can do pacino volume but like seven samurai the bald dude was kind of like no you're right you're right that's how toshiro plays it too but it's just something where you know i guess i go to a an antoine fuqua movie with denzel and i'm expecting him to like you know, get to some bigger dramatic yeah. moments. Yeah. And I mean, that's not the character, but it's just something that I don't know. Like, that's the thing is, is, uh, he carries the movie, but his, uh, he just doesn't have the same kind of gravitas mm-hmm. or, um, you know, yeah. Like, it's right. just not as, like, it, it's really, uh, Chris Pratt, who seems to be having the most fun yeah. in this movie, and I, mean, I thought he was cool. Yeah, Vincent D'Onofrio shows up, and he's great. <laughs> yeah. Like I like you know he's and he basi- talks funny. <laughs> yeah, and he's basically playing the like wildcat, like Grizzly Adams type, right, right. like like you know mountain man, mm. and so that was fun to see him do that. And uh, but it, I don't know, it's just it was it was just incredibly safe. Yeah. Like there's there's no. 
so that, if that's what you want, like if you like westerns, it's fun to watch. But you know, it's it's just yeah. it's just very nondescript yeah. and very non-threatening. Yeah. So that's 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 what I have to say. I liked it. Yeah, and it could have been love. It could have been love, Jesse, mm-hmm. if it didn't play it so safe. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you on that. But the other thing is the last movie I saw by Mr. Fuqua, which starred Denzel Washington, and I had no idea that, you know, this was the same team behind, Mm -hmm. you know, other than Denzel Washington, was The Equalizer. Uh. And this movie looks avant-garde and daring compared to The the Equalizer. You know what I mean? Yeah. I liked it. And honestly, a lot of the the points that you brought up are very valid points, and I feel them too. Mm -hmm. But I, I was too... Like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to enjoy this. This is entertaining. This is... I'm not going to think too much about it. And it, I'm just going to enjoy the ride and enjoy the thing. And especially, I'm someone like you. I've seen Seven Samurai. And I saw Magnificent Seven, too. And I think this is a little funner for me, of mm-hmm. course, you know, than Magnificent Seven. I do think if it had blood, if it had more overt racial things, like if it looked at that stuff honestly... If it was honestly, more of a movie for grown-ups a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it would have been, you know... a. a quite an experience but i mean you know i was looking at the the crowd a lot of them were kids and you know it's like pg-13 no, and there like, was some and there was some older people there who i imagine like you know remember westerns and well, want yeah. and, and that's actually and that's the thing is that the movie kind of it is what it what it's trying to be right like it's not i didn't see a lot of advertising for it like you know i just i mostly just know it by reputation mm-hmm, from mm-hmm. what it's what they're remaking mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it, it lets you know right away right. that, like, they're not doing Deadwood. Yeah. That they're, you know, they're, yeah. that they're they're doing something much, much safer. They're not even doing, and, like, a spaghetti western kind of thing, you no. know? Like, see, for me, mm-hmm. that aesthetic of, like, the three Leone films with Clint Eastwood, I like that aesthetic. Yeah. I never responded to the aesthetic of, like... America, you know what I mean? Like yeah, it, it yeah. just it just never jived with me that well. Like I think the one John Ford movie that I remember well is The Searchers, and that was all right, you know. Like, oh. but I I just respond to that Spanish horn kind of, you know, like that aesthetic of like big Ennio Morricone music. I just I was like about to that. say you you like Italian, you like the Italian ones, yeah, exactly. Where, where it's and you're right, they they are less jingoistic, yeah. they are less about nationalism, right. and they're much more you know about the genre. And They've about- got these like crazy political stuff like if you've ever there's a movie called uh fuck i forgot compañeros mm. have you ever seen that no no it's 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 like around that time of sergio leone it was by sergio carbucci and i think ennio morricone did the music for that one too but it was very like uh, i don't know how to explain it like socialist sort mm-hmm. of you know like this they had all these political it had undertones. things to say exactly this movie was about like just good guys versus good bad yeah guys. Well, and and that's the thing, like, you know, they did, they, they've done this plot in, in Bugs Life, yeah. they did an episode of Clone Wars that was, that was dedicated to uh, Kira Kurosawa, uh. like, this is, and that's the thing, it's funny, watching this movie, I realized that it's a boxing movie structure. Yeah. Like, it's very much, uh. like, like, there's, there's a first fight. And then the rest of it is building up to the title fight at the end. Mm-hmm. Instead of watching two people beat each other up, though, you're watching like seven guys take on like a hundred. Right. And so it's it, which you know that's crazy odds, and that that really amps up the the tension dramatically. Mm-hmm. But overall, the structure of it is like, well, there's this conflict, and it's building up to this showdown, right. and that's the whole movie. Right, right, right. right. Um, 
and it builds to it very well. Mm-hmm. Like it, uh, unlike boxing movies where you're kind of like, okay, can we get to the big fight? Yeah. Like this did a very good job of building character yeah. of of setting you know setting things up besides just the the plot itself. Right. And, right. Um. There was some stuff that bugged the crap out Please of me, tell though. Me. <laughs> no, the, like, okay, as soon as they, like, the big fight's coming up, right. and they're like, oh, we gotta hide the kids. Quick, put the kids in the yeah. fucking, put the kids in the, in the fucking cellar right. of the, of the general store that's in the middle of the street that's yeah. about to get shot to shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, like, I was like, oh, no, that's a bad, like, why aren't they stashing them, like, miles from the town? Right. Like, and uh, and oh no, because we need them to be threatened so that the heroes have to go and save the kids from the fucking building. Yeah. It's like they should have been there in the first place. And that's that's the thing with this movie is that it's it's hokey in that way. Right? There's there's stuff like again we're in spoilers. So like the villain at the end when he's fucking when he's when Denzel's like about to get him, you know he's got like and he's and Denzel's disarmed him. You know he's got another gun hidden somewhere, right, a right, little right, one. Right. It's just an every every right. stupid western movie yeah. ever. There's they always have that little fucking pocket gun in their, you know, in their sleeve or in their boot. Yeah. Guy starts grabbing at his boot and like, "Oh, here we yeah. go." And then and then and there's the shot and it's like, "Oh, did Denzel get shot?" No. Of course Denzel didn't it get. It was it was someone else. Someone yeah. shot the bad guy. One yeah. thing I will say, I was not a big fan of the bad guy. I, I did not like that dude. Well, see, I mean, not in a, oh, I hate no, you, you're no, a bad no, guy. No, 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 He was, well, here's the thing. I, I agree with you yeah. that it was, it was a very, again, this movie was hokey. Yeah. And so, like, the, the, the bad guy was practically, like, you know, just mustache twirling. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, but, like, I'm used to my, my bad guys being a little Christoph Waltz. Right, where they're right. kind of, where they're into it. Yeah, and they're yeah. not just like, yeah, I'm mad at everybody. Yeah, and I don't yeah, like yeah. anything. I and mean, every, I have a mean face all the time. Yeah. Like, Christoph, Christoph Waltz smiles while he's being a <laughs> right. bastard. Because yeah. he knows he has all the power in the room. This guy just does not feel like he's powerful and, like... It's, uh, he, and I guess you're supposed to be kind of like he just has a lot of money, yeah, and like, and he's just a bully, and I get yeah. that, but it, it's just so it's one dimensional, right? There's just nothing to him, yeah. He's just a scowl with a you know with lines, right, right, right. I um like there's a movie I don't know if you saw this. Have you ever seen Thirteen Assassins? No, by Takashi Miike. Mm, oh no, it's no. kind of like an updated Seven Samurai, gotcha. right? But it's by Takashi Miike. So yeah, it's so a it's, little oh, no, nuts. I think you it's know? a little, yeah, yeah. But I mean, at the beginning of that, and it's at the beginning. I'm not spoiling anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The bad guy takes a bow and arrow and shoots a little girl with the bow and arrow. That's a bad guy. And then you watch that movie and you're like, I want to see this fucker go down. I, I just want you know. To me, that's that's it. Rem- like, it's funny. Uh, when THX 1138 came out, a right. lot of George Lucas's filmmaker buddies were like, "It doesn't have any any emotion to it. It mm-hmm. doesn't. It's not emotionally engaging." Yeah. And like, and I his response was, "You want emotional engagement? Just shoot, shoot a big beefy dude throttling a kitten. Yeah. You only have, boom <laughs> emotional engagement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, you can show someone being messed up to an innocent thing and right. get the get the audience to hate them. Right. That's simple to me. What I want is something." That has more dimension to it. Well, I get that too. And yeah. like, and that's what I. That's you know, this guy is just, he's just a dick. There's no explanation for why he's just a greedy bad guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like, you know, that's like Saturday morning cartoon right, level right, right. characterization. Right. And yeah. yeah, I will say this. For instance, okay, like example off the top of my head, Sanjuro. Have mm-hmm. you seen Sanjuro? Yes, but it's been a while. Yeah. Okay. Well. Okay. 
Sanjuro or any one of those like Zatoichi movies, mm-hmm. like a good samurai movie works like this. Like it, it establishes the main guy. And then the guy that he's going to show down with, you get him too. Mm-hmm. He's not a mustache twirler. He's somebody you, you No, he's the other side of the coin. Exactly. Either they're both they're both halves of of something and you know they have to come right. and face each yeah. other like forces of nature. Yeah. And that yes, that builds its own kind of tension. Yeah. This guy just you just yeah, you you know he's he <sighs> Like again, like in a in the times of of getting to see like you know Game of Thrones, like Ramsey Bolton, and like you get there's there's more like you can have of someone who is completely a terrible person, right? Who just does awful things all the time, and still have a character in there, right? Right, right. And still have them have desires and and you know uh, an outlook, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like you know this guy's just pure greed. He's yeah, just like yeah. I want this stuff, and like. Yeah. And like, there's, I don't know, like it's they don't, they, you don't. It's spend, not that interesting. You don't spend five minutes with this character. Yeah, like yeah, it's, yeah. it's, she's just there to send bad guys at at our heroes. Right. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't it be interesting to see the other side of that dude? Like to see his sensitive side, or to I see him like, towards like a, a loved one or something? Just to get, yeah, like you said, more dimension yes, out of it. Like even if he had like a pet. A pet. <laughs> yeah. Just something he's nice to. He's just a dick every second he's on screen. Right. Like, he's just always looking like like he's smelling something bad. Yeah, Like, yeah, he just, yeah. like, the guy smiled even just once. Even if it was just as something evil right. he just did. Right. It would still give you something to go on that there's a person in there and not just, like, literally this 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 thing that's just supposed to create a problem right right right, right. so I we mean, have a yeah. movie i mean you're 34 i'm 33 we're like the same thing. yeah yeah we know at this age in our lives that people are not just 100 this or 100 that there's shades of gray and i don't you know but again like you see these kids in the audience it's like you know it's like yeah it works for them it's like well and that's that's the thing i guess watching this movie as i kept seeing you know like i've mentioned before they they do every kind of standard western image like mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. like like i when when the when uh vincent d'onofrio he attacks a guy and he knocks him off a horse and the horse falls over yeah. and, and like it's like oh shit a horse knocked down like there's <laughs> there's a bunch of technical names for yeah, for yeah. Uh, stunt riders yeah. and all the different kinds of falls you can do yeah. and you see every single one in the movie yeah. and it's just like and it's it's funny because i kept going back to thinking of like classical era uh, uh, westerns because mm-hmm. like how many times has the, have these kinds of images been shot right. especially oh my gosh when they're when the first kind of showdown when they first ride into town and they take out all the bad guys who are holding it so they can go warn everybody and bring the the real fight uh-huh. um you know they're they're just straight up like Sergio Lee I guess what do you this is the thing I watch these movies and I go well what the hell would I do yeah. Like you, you got a bunch of guys. They're all facing off with each other. You want to cut to all a bunch of medium close-ups of everybody just looking at everybody, yeah, yeah. and it's the same. It's the same vocabulary. It's as as, as every other movie that has been there. Right. But we haven't seen a million of these. Like mm-hmm. that. That's something that I think is interesting. That I don't think our generation really understands mm-hmm. is that uh, our parents and our and uh, when they were growing up. And and the generation a year you know ahead of them a little bit, 
that's what t- TV was westerns. Right. Like if you like, we watched. You know, even even like people like us who grew up in the eighties and like there mm-hmm. were in nineties where there was still not like hundreds of channels. There was right. like a few. Right. But like even we did not grow up where TV was westerns. Right. 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 Like that's what they used to like because the way that we the way that Hollywood makes hero movies now they used to make. Westerns and then everyone like some other stuff. That used to be the industry. Right? That used to be yeah. what it was, and and uh, you know just inundated, just all all the time, and mm-hmm. like you know so the people were, and then you 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 go home and that's what's on TV, right? And so people were were sick of westerns because it was just like how many time how many ways can you film a dude in a hat riding a horse right. in any direction? Like yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so I get why like you know. It was, it was, this is why the genre comes in and out of style. Mm-hmm. And like, cause it was just done to death. Mm-hmm. But it's funny watching this movie. I get it. Cause it doesn't take that much. You need, you yeah. know, you just need a horse and you need some desert and yeah. like you're, you're set. Yeah. Like, one thing when you were, like, before we went to go see it, we were driving mm-hmm. and, you know, like, uh, you were like, yeah, I wonder how, where it's going to fall on the spectrum between Wild Wild West and Django. Mm-hmm. There was one scene that I felt like was a direct lift from Django. Do you know which one I'm talking no, about? I'm curious which one. At the bar. The bar scene was cool. Mm-hmm. And then Denzel does his thing. He shoots whoever. Mm-hmm. And then all the people come out outside the bar and then he's like, oh, I'm a servant of the court. Oh, or yeah, yeah. That I was think absolute, I saw that. that. Absolutely. Yeah. That absolute. That and was, you know what? That's the thing that kind of, I think in a way that the movie kind of leans on Django in uh, that way uh, yeah, yeah, because because instead of giving us an explanation for why or how uh, Denzel is a black dude who's somehow like working for the government, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like he just kind of does that same right. thing as yeah, almost yeah. like a callback to Django, yeah. so that everyone goes, "Oh, he's like Django. Yeah. He's just he's just you know this incredibly like you know un." Uh, you know, not an incredibly out of the norm uh, for that time period person to right, have that right, kind right, of job. Right, right. Like for a black man to have that job at that time yeah. is pretty extraordinary. Yeah. And rather than kind of having to explain to us how that happened, he ju- they just kind of give us this scene that's very similar to this other movie with the yeah. character that is a black man in a kind job. Kind of loquaciously that, explains. Yeah, and he goes, and they give us the whole explanation in Django, and so they call back to it enough just, you go, oh, it's probably something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, yeah, like... Yeah, that was that was lazy. That I, was lazy. I, I, I do think so. Yeah. And I don't, you know, respect to the, the the filmmaking team behind this, but still, that was. I mean, I don't think this movie would exist the way it looks like without Django. You know what I mean? I don't like, know. I th- I actually kind of was expect. I don't think I I think uh, the way it looks like. No, you no. See, I, that's where I disagree. Oh, really? I Go think, ahead. I don't think the. I was kind of watching it to see if it was gonna look like Django, yeah. but I was kind of surprised that a lot of the the filming and the the angles and stuff were a little more yeah. classical. I don't mean. Uh, let me clarify. I don't mean in terms of like the physical look of the film. Okay. I just mean in terms of not even. It's not doing like a total Tarantino Django thing. No, I, the but, structure. There was structure. Yeah, like stuff, it, it but just not, felt like it. I'm not saying this movie wouldn't it's exist. In, it's linear. Yeah, I'm not saying this movie wouldn't exist without Django. Of course it wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, of course it. it, it oh no, no, it could I be made, actually. You know no, what no, I mean? no, well, But but I I agree with you that no, this movie would not exist without yeah, Django. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Django showed producers that you could put you could put you know actors in cowboy hats on horses, right, right, right. and that people will show up. Yeah, yeah, but see, yeah, the big difference between this and Django. Django has a huge point of view. 
Uh, you know what I mean? Like, like it, it has something I, to say. I would say, say it about... has a point of view, but I wouldn't call it huge. It's QT. I, I, He's pretty huge. No, I will see. We disagree, Aww. though. I, I see. To me, <laughs> Quent. I, I, lo- I enjoy Quentin's movies, right. but to me, he is. Uh, He's a collage artist, mm-hmm. and he is he like I I love collage, and mm-hmm. I love uh I love electronic music and and DJ music right. and stuff like the avalanches, like I love that stuff. Right. But it's it's where it, it is what it is. You're taking right. pieces from other stuff and you're assembling it into its own thing. Right. And that he has amazing taste, and he's the best at it. Mm-hmm. He's one of the but. You know, he's only he's at least one of the few people who really can do that. Who yeah. can who can take whole parts? You know, li- like you know, it used to yeah, movies. You know, I I if you ever you should check out the the series. Everything's a remix. It does a real good job of right. kind of showing how much we just kind of internalize narrative and mm-hmm. ideas and concepts, and then we kind of just unconsciously recombine them into right. things. And you know, if you take them apart, at least you used to be able to. You take them apart, and you could see what where where you where certain things were inspired from. Right. And you know, Quentin seems to you know is more of like you know what I'm just going to take this entire thing. I'm going to take this score from another movie. I'm going to take this you know uh, cue or shot or I you know image, and I'm just going to straight up put it right. into my movie. Right. And it works in the same way that sampling does mm-hmm. because sampling. If you know what it's from, you go, hey, that's from that thing. And right. it makes you go, oh, that's kind of cool that he used that in that right. way. And if you have no idea, then it just goes right past you. Mm-hmm. And you just think, like in Kill Bill, the... Oh, yeah, from Five gets, Fingers yeah, of Death. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, that, you know, if you if you know Five Fingers of Death, yeah. you go, oh, he's quoting that. And, yeah. that. and that gives you a little bit more to yeah. know, like, what he's, what he's going for yeah. tonally. And if you don't, then it just works as a thing. Right. And so, you know... I feel like Django is he's he's trying to course correct for uh westerns completely ignoring slavery mm-hmm. and so he's depicting the the some of the horror of it. He himself said that he couldn't show all of the realness of it because it would just be too horrifying right, 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 right. to be even entertaining right. anymore. Yeah. So even though it does like show them in the in the some of the ugly kinds of awful, you know, manacles and different ways that that uh, that, that slaves were restrained and you know trying to give give a, a real depiction of that so you know that to me is is trying to do more but i don't know if it constitutes a point of view i will put it to you like this and i i do disagree with you and i yeah. love you jesse yeah, please, please give, 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 yeah. me, give me a fist bump yeah i yeah. don't i don't want us to fight no we're not no, no, <laughs> no, hey, well no you know what i i i don't want us to fight but i'm okay with no yeah let's 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 we should, uh, let's we debate should, i put it disagree. like this um in Reservoir, I'll go from Reservoir Dogs and then I'll... Sure, I'll okay. sure. In Reservoir Dogs, there's this scene, that scene, and I know you've seen it. There's yeah. that scene where they're all in the car. Uh-huh. Bunch of white dudes. Yeah. It's Harvey Keitel, it's uh-huh. Tim Roth, it's all of them. And they're talking about how African-American men... I'm, I'm so not using the language that they use, yes, but how yeah, African-American yeah, men... They're dropping... And that's that's the thing, is they're dropping a lot of N-bombs, which is, yeah. what, which is what Quentin likes to do. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and which was... Kind of, I'm glad that it wasn't in Magnificent Seven, right? But at the same time, it also makes it feel a little antiseptic and right, a, and, a, right. and just a little bit too too safe and and too too. It makes it a fantasy, right? 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 That scene, to me, and I'm not 
a totally white person. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm on the color line or whatever. No, there's, you know, no, uh, there's no color yeah, line. I'm, I'm like Persian. You're, you're Persian. Yeah, you're not, if I'm in a you're room, you're not white. Yeah. But you, may, you uh, like me. I'm sure you, you. There's a lot of things in cinema right. and film that that were made by by white culture that you, yeah. that you enjoy. Yeah, yeah, and like I'm entertained by that stuff too. But I'm also aware of of its history and its cultural context. Right, right, right. And you know, and and you know what 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 it is mm-hmm. from the time it's from. Mm-hmm. That scene where those guys are talking in the car and they're saying, oh, like Harvey Keitel is saying, like, okay, Mr. Expert, if this is such a truism, why is it that every N-word I know treats this woman like a piece of shit? I know a lot of people that would never go there in a scene, that would never go there because that is kind of the way I feel certain white people talk to e- amongst each other about yeah, black yeah. people. That would never go there. And I think Django, it's easy to take anything for granted once it's in the culture. Yeah. But I, I really do think in this climate where people just want to act like race issues just doesn't exist, I think it's incredibly ballsy. Maybe it's not a strong point of view. I still think so. Well, but like, I, I think it's very ballsy to make a movie that, and that, I, that uses that I word. I agree that the, it's, you know, a bold, yeah. it's a bold choice. But again, I don't know what it, kind of point of view it has right. other than... I'm going to to take I'm going to take this genre further into a direction that it almost always avoids. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. and I feel like the same he like to me this is what Quentin does. Mm-hmm. Quentin goes to, Quentin takes genres from the 70s that were considered uh trash mm-hmm. and that were considered uh uh exploitative. Right. And then he takes them and then he treats them with with an affection and an awareness that the guys that originally made them never had, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so like if you like Pulp Fiction itself, quite li- you know quite literally, it, you know the title is a it's a it's a pulpy story, right. and um, and like Jackie Brown is 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 like a it covers it's like a black exploitation mm-hmm, film, mm-hmm. and you know again these are all uh, Kill Bill is the revenge genre, right. Um, what is it? Uh, uh, Death Proof is the is the last is the hor- you know horror with the last woman standing. But you know this time like the girls get to turn around and fight the bad guy, right. and the movie ends with them beating the shit out of right, him, right, right, right. like with three women beating the crap out of their attacker, right. and and like instead of having to be the victim. Right. So and the same thing with Inglorious Bastards. It's a it's a it's a World War Two movie where we actually get to see Hitler you know turn into hamburger and you get to see a bunch of actual like tiny looking little jew guys mm-hmm. instead of like you know like the the normal like gigantic six foot tall giant white dudes you know fighting nazis right it's guys that look like jews it's you know it's the guy you know there's the guy from freaks and geeks in there mm-hmm. like yeah, yeah i like that guy. yeah and uh you know, so that he's it's like he's taking these genres that have that were done in the seventies mm-hmm. and he's 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 giving them a, a reality, a take like and a depth that they never right. were, were really given. Mm-hmm. And and he does think and he turns them against the things that they always did that were kind of shitty. Mm-hmm. Like again, like not letting you know, like not depicting <clears throat> Jews getting to, to be their own 
you know, getting to fight their own, you know, getting to take down Nazis, mm-hmm. getting to kill Hitler, get showing women getting to to attack their to to win against this attacker that's you know that's attack you know, mm-hmm. uh, and and the same thing in Django, right? Where you where you you know he burns down the plantation at yeah, the end. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, and I actually still haven't seen his last one. It's really good. I know. I've been. I, they play it at midnight, and I keep meaning to go see uh, it at the new bed. Hey, I would go with you. Let's go. Let's yeah, go I'm next so time down. it plays. Yeah. I'm so down. Um, going but, back but, to. Sorry, go oh, ahead. just to finish my thought. So the thing is, is that I really feel like Quentin likes to take these these genres that were low budget and no one took them seriously, and he's like, I'm going to take them seriously, and I'm going to take them in this direction that they don't do, and I'm going to, and I'm, and it's, and it's going to, you know. It's going to kind of vindicate his his passion for those mm-hmm. forms because just because they they had crappy representation racially, uh, gender wise, you know, doesn't mean that they can't that they can't be made into something that does those things right. while still being you know what they you know while still calling back to their history. Right, right, right. So if you were okay, this is just the last thing, and then we'll go back to magnificent. Sure, so sure. we got on a whole no, no, QT okay. thing. Yeah, yeah. But um. Uh, it's Django. Yeah, which is yeah. Very, and, and you can't again. No Django. No Magnificent Hold Seven. On, keep talking. Sure. I think my dog wants to come in here. Hold on. Sure, sure. Uh, I'll give you a topic. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, no, just hold on. Give me one second. My sure, sure. But uh, I don't know. It was. This, oh, there's a little Bucci dog. So with his little fluffy head. Sorry, gang. Um, no, this is what I wanted to say. Um, hello. Uh, take any. TV movie about slavery, and then compare it to Django Unchained. That's, that's what I mean. That's that's insane. You're comparing. Okay, well, what about compar- Amistad? Sure, sure. That's at least a movie because you TV movie like that. But I mean, it's all content. It's kind of the same, you know, mm, stories. And I mean, stuff. I I agree, but it, the, like TV TV movies are made by committee. Yeah. They're like it's it's not it's made to fit a programming slot. But like, what I mean is that sort of okay. I can go and be like, okay, gang, you know what? I get with my producer friends or whatever mm-hmm. and be like, we're gonna make a movie. That's about racism, and it's going to be important. We're going to make an important film. I see no, a lot I of people. It, you don't see people with that intent. No, with that sort of. No, you, I think I think it's it's uh, there's there's a lot of people talking about this stuff right now, and it clearly is something people are thinking about. Right. And we're going to no, make no, no, I, yeah. we're going to make something on that subject, and we're going to make a lot of money. Because all those people are going to want to see what we have to say about it. And maybe we'll hire someone with a point of view to come and direct or write this thing. Right. And then that will, will give us some, some copy. But I don't, I really, from the producers I've met, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure there are producers out there who want to make socially progressive things, who want to push the envelope. Right. Into, but, but at least in my experience, like the guys, the guys, most of the men and women I know who, who work, Outside of create creative stuff and are just about organizing. But I'm not talking very, about them. I'm talking about artists. You said producers. No, no. I said I'm going to get with my producer okay. friends and well, be like, okay. okay, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, okay forget about that. Okay. Think about the kids that you went to film school with. Sure. Did you see a lot of people like that? And I'm not. I'm just asking. Like, in terms of like, I don't know, like photography students that go and take pictures of homeless people. Honest, I'm talking about that. Honestly, kind of, most of the people I'm I'm the. By and large, the majority of people in film school were people who did not know what they wanted to study. Really, and and they had parents who were like, "Well, you need to you need to go to school because high school's over, and you know, get out of the house and go to go learn something." Right, and almost I you could just I I practically 
had people tell me where you where they because I would ask them, you know, what what movie did you see that made you want to come to film school or made you want to do this? And like it was almost always a variation of well, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Yeah. And people told me you should, you know, go into something you like. And I really like watching movies. So I thought I would just go and, like, go into film because right. that's something I really like to do. Yeah. But it's not like passively sitting in your ass and, like, watching something on a screen right. is not the same thing right. as going out and creating it. So, and, like, that that was a rude awakening for yeah. me because half the time, you know, like, someone's talking to me and they're basically saying they don't have any passion for the medium and they're basically just filling in a seat for someone who could be like that right. and that I'm not getting to meet because, you know, their parents can afford the tuition. Right, right. Hmm, interesting. You know, what's funny is when I met uh, Rick and then I met you mm -hmm. and I met a bunch of other people, like, it's my friends that made me respect film school and that system and stuff because I see that talent comes out of it. It's just, I always had this image of a bunch of kids trying to be important. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know. Well, like, I mean, and you... <laughs> I went to USC, right. so there was, like, I'm sure if I went to an art, more artier school, NYU, or any any liberal arts type place, there'd oh. be way... Sorry. 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 I knocked my coffee on the... Thing. Yeah. Sorry. There'd be, there'd be way more people who are, like, trying to, you know, attach themselves to some kind of larger purpose to feel like they're their artwork is more significant, not right. because it's just their personal vision, but because they're trying to progress society through their ideas mm -hmm. and their, their outlook. And, uh, you know, I went to the big commercial school, you know, where the, where all the, 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 and I, I did that on purpose because right. I, I felt like I was aware of, of how, of, uh, I didn't need to have the artist, the artist in me encouraged. Right. I, I wanted to learn the commercial side of it, the uglier business part of it, because I knew that if I went to like NYU or somewhere else, I eventually was going to move to LA and have to get way steep into the, into the, the, the capitalist right, half right. of it. And I figured, you know, I, I would I should learn that up front because I, I already know my artistic sensibility and I don't need a, a place to facilitate getting that out. Right. Um so, you know, that that was why I chose that cool. the school I did. But the thing is is um yeah, there's all kinds of pretentious people in yeah, this yeah. city who who want to conflate their point of view as somehow a larger progressive thing that's going mm -hmm. to to move society forward. And you know, I believe that film has that kind of power, but I also believe that people who think who uh who who put the medium second to their own sort of egotistical idea of what they're going to bring to it, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that that's why they fail. Right, right. Okay. So let me ask you this. Okay. I'm a pretend I'm a studio head. Sure, sure. Okay, and this is before Magnificent Seven is made. Oh, okay. 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 So, and we, we didn't hire we didn't hire Antoine Fuqua. He 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 no, he, no. he didn't pull through. Okay. Django just made money. Yeah, yeah. and everybody's like <laughs> yeah, yeah. everybody's like where like like how much is a Torrena horse? Yeah, like, yeah. Do we have do we have the 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 hat still <laughs> yeah, in Yeah. Okay. So so I'm a scumbag producer. I'm doing my coke. Sure. Okay. Sure. And uh, I get you in my office, and I'm like mm -hmm. Jesse. I would like you to make mag this Magnificent Seven remake. I think you have a great vision for it. Why? <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Mm -hmm. You can add anything you want. If you want to explore race issues, you can do that. If you want it to be a hard R, you can do that. But just know that A, you're going to get take a pay cut, uh -huh. a massive pay cut. Sure. And B... 
we're going to make a hundred million dollars less than what we would make if we made it like a oh PG-13. yeah i mean what like, would you do again to go back to a quote in lucas lucas told scorsese he's like hey if you put a happy ending on uh, if you slap a happy ending to the to the closing of new york new york you'll add like three million to your bo your right. box office and like you know scorsese's like dude i made the movie for the sad ending yeah. Like, that was why I wanted to do this. Yeah. And, like, he's like, oh, you don't get it. Like, you know. No. But do you think Magnificent Seven is the type of movie that can carry those kind of issues? Or? No, and I actually, I was going to say, when you when we were role, when you were role-playing as a producer, right. it'd be like, dude, uh, yeah, you, yeah, I'm sure it seems like it'd be a good idea, but I don't like to give me carte blanche to go do racial stuff with this, but... You know, now that we've talked about it, I don't even know if Magnificent Seven as a story is the place for that. Right. It's not like, you know, any iteration of it was very political. It mm-hmm. is very much a very convenient structure for assembling a bunch of badasses. Right, right. It's such a, it's a, you know, 13-year-old boys are going to love this premise because it's a, a badass has to go f- convince a bunch of other badasses yeah. to go fight in a fucking fight that they know they're not going to yeah. win, where they're massively outnumbered, but they're still they're so badass and they don't like that they're willing right. to take the fight. And the one thing that 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 uh, the kind of dramatic conceit that that always kind of I remember the first time I saw uh, I saw Seven Samurai, mm-hmm. and it was just, and I, I had to kind of think this through because I'm like, why would these dudes? Take on a fight they know they can't handle. Right. Like why? And they all seem so in in both this version and in the 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 black and white Japanese version, they're kind of nonchalant. Right. Kind of like yeah yeah we'll yeah. probably die. They got this easy air. Yeah, to them. they're just yeah. kind of. But and I always go man, they're kind of casual. That doesn't make like why wouldn't they be? And I'm like wait Jesse, these are killers. Mm. Everything they every time they've gotten in a fight, they risk dying. Like that's that's what they do. Yeah. So yeah. like, and they know that at some point, as as badasses, they're either going to get old and slow and and retire and not like and be something else, right? Or they're going to die in a fight. And and you know these guys are all badass enough that they're like, all right, like I guess I should probably like I'm going to just die in a fight, right? And so they know what's coming. And so like in a way, they're kind of like, okay, I'm going to pick this one because mm-hmm. like. How much longer can I go? And yeah. I kind of buy that in a, in its own re, the reality of that, because uh, sometimes it kind of seems like a bit of a stretch. Because you would imagine like they would have a sense of self preservation, but you have to remind yourself that these are people who risk their lives all every time right. they they hit a conflict, and that that's Sasha. <laughs> my dog just threw my iPad on the floor. Yep. She doesn't even have thumbs. Yeah. No. Okay. Uh, one I thing. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's I weird it. because it's bloodless, but it does oh, have there's, that. There's blood. Yeah. It's just there's no splatter. Yeah. yeah. Which like, I people love splatter. Get, people get bloody noses yeah. and like and they get when they get shot like they're you know the hole like gets red. Yeah. But like there's there's no there's. There's blood, but there's somehow no violence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they they blow up guys like they have dynamite. But you're and not watching like, limbs. No, fly exactly, around. exactly. And there's <laughs> yeah. no, there's no, there's no chunk. Like 
like one of my favorite moments in Lost. Did you ever watch Lost? Not really, no. Well, there's a part, I'm not going to say who, but there's a part where a character's holding some nitroglycerin, uh. and in the middle of a sentence, he just fucking explodes. <laughs> and, and this is on TV, uh. and everybody standing near him is just pelted with his with chunks of meat. Really? Yes. Oh, it's I got to so watch that. Good. Show. Yeah. It's so good. Like, it's so, you don't see it coming because yeah, he's just yeah. talking, and all of a sudden, everyone's just getting meat flung at them, and, and the guy's. <laughs> you see, just, like, intestines? The guy, and shit, no, but... just, it's just like they threw like chunks like you know like because it's still tv <laughs> yeah, yeah. but like you know everyone's covered in like a you know it's just like he, the guy turned into mist yeah and and like and like there's that's on network tv yeah. and th- these you know they show like a ton of guys getting getting blown up and it's all just a white cloud yeah. i think the movie would have been awful which if... is practically looney tunes level yeah yeah the movie would have been really bad if all seven of them just survived and because i think with samurai films and some westerns there's a fatalism well see that's it's that's the thing that was surprising to me because like you know they start off you just like seven samurai we start off with toshiro we start off with the conflict of the villagers and then we go to toshiro mifuni mm. and he gets hit up you know and they're like please get some other badasses and so the first badass he finds they're both like yeah fine and like those are the two guys that make it in, yeah. the, in seven samurai no. spoiler alert for seven yeah, samurai yeah. Oh, like 50 yeah. year old movie <laughs> um but and so that's the whole movie i'm like so does this mean that Denzel and Chris Pratt get to walk away and everyone else is going to die? Uh, Are they going to do the exact like? Is this exactly how the the other one's going to go? Right. And no, like they kill all the white dudes. Yeah, they kill all the white cowboys. Like in, yeah. on the, in the seven. Let me ask you this: as a Hispanic man, uh huh, how did you feel about oh about the about, about the, the Mexican about character, the Mexican character, the Texican as one yeah, guy yeah calls yeah him. calls him, um. It's funny because go crazy. Well, no, this is it's <laughs> funny because like I when when Suicide Squad came out uh-huh. a couple weeks a few like a month ago or whatever, um, I saw a couple people co- Latinos commenting on Twitter and they were kind of like because people were like, well, how do you feel about you know because the guy like because it you saw it right yeah I did yeah, yeah. and like and the guy in the, the the Latino character in Suicide Squad. God, he's just like he's so stereotypical. He might as well stepped out of next Friday. Like he just he he's got all you know. He's got tattoos. He's got the accent, the yeah. cholo accent. He's yeah. wearing a wife beater. He looks like a homie figurine, right? And uh, and he talks like one too. Right. And I saw someone asking like another Latino person on Twitter, like, did that bother you? And the guy and I swear, like, just basically hit the same thing I felt, which was like, yeah, it's offensive and dumb. But honestly, I was just stoked that we were included. Right. Like, yeah, just, yeah, like yeah, yeah. just like, man, this is so I, cheesy. I guess and the whole Cholo culture is like an obsession of David Ayers or something. Yeah, or, or yes, something. It, yes, it is. Yes, it is. And like, and he, you know, he, yeah. So that's how you feel. Like, well, I, I mean, it's, it goes beyond that. But on the, like, for the most part, like, Usually, when representation arguments come up, it is black white. Right. And so, for uh, for someone to even remember that, like that, there's there's Latino characters that could be put in there. It's like holy crap, they remembered right. us. Yeah. Like, and like that's nice. And like, and he, the character in, in the the Latino guy in in uh, in Magnificent Seven is not. He's not like he doesn't have the cholo accent, right. you know. He 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 speaks in Spanish a little bit. He calls Chris Pratt a, a wedo, 
Uh, what does that mean? <laughs> it's uh, it's the title of Beck's one of Beck's albums, but uh, it's it's no, it's Guero, G U E R R O. It basically means white boy, or like I Wero. mean, not quite. Like it means white. It's funny. My da- like I passed for white, and my dad called me. Wedo, my whole <laughs> really? childhood. Yeah. I didn't even know what it meant until yeah. I was like ten. It's just the thing my dad called me all the time. I had uh, no idea that oh, it meant cool. it meant white boy. Yeah. But yeah. So you did, did see the thing is like it was whatever. It was a, I thought it was entertaining. Blah, 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 blah. It didn't offend me. Did it offend you? No, but there it? were no Persian dudes. Yeah, no, there I know. no. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I, that's I should be offended. There were no Persian dudes. But no, no I were mean, there were there Persians in the in the in the? I doubt it. Uh, was, we, we were was too there, busy was doing there, our Was own there immigration stuff. at that time? Yeah, no, were, they, were they coming out <laughs> yeah. to the west? Well, I mean, it was before nine eleven, so we would have had yeah. an easier time yes, getting in. Yes, that's true. That's but, very um, true. So, did it uh, offend you a little bit or no? No, it did. Well, that's the thing because there were some lines that I would kind of sort of look at you and see what you're honestly. Again, like the fact that he's even there, like, and yeah. that they don't kill him, yeah. and that they don't have him die in a stupid way. He survived but, at the end. Yes, the, oh, yeah? remember okay, he, okay. Yeah, it yeah. was him and the Indian, right, right, that right. made it out. The Indian was Stenzel. pretty badass. I like. Yeah, that. but I like the Indian, but he does. He has no character. He's literally just the there, Indian. so that he like. It's it's funny because like that to me was in it had of all the of all the racial representations, it was the Native American guy that I had the most problems. Oh with. yeah, he shows up last. He kind of has no reason to join them. Right. He's the only one that doesn't care if he's getting paid. Everybody else is there for, yeah. like, they have to see the big satchel of money before they sign up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he he doesn't, he speaks a little bit of English, which he tells you the first time that we see him, but he doesn't speak any English for, like, 40, 50 minutes yeah, after yeah. that. Yeah. So he's just there. And yeah. like, and he can talk, and then he starts to talk, and he leaves. Like, and the the Vincent D'Onofrio Wildcat character is like, we have a lot to talk about. Yeah. And I was like, damn, I kind of want to know what this fucking Grizzly yeah. Adams dude is going to bother this native guy about. And the, we don't see any of that. Yeah. That guy, like, the, when we were on the way to the movie, mm. I was saying like, the thing with this structure is you get to have seven badasses, and they all get to have their little moment. That guy didn't real i mean yeah he's like killing guys from the roof with his arrows yeah. and stuff but he doesn't have there's no character to his right, character right, right. other than that he is an indian yeah do you think they didn't put too much on him just because he kind of just does look cool and that's enough for some people well or? i think that again i think they were just tr- sort of like throwing him in there like the latino guy because right. he's there right, and right, like right. and the thing is is like i said earlier neither of them really have any like there we get to see them fighting a little bit as the fight's going on mm-hmm. but there's really nothing that they do that wins the fight right like like you know chris pratt blows up the big fucking the the main the gun that's like that that's kicking their asses mm-hmm. and like everybody that dies or every excuse me everybody that not even everybody that dies but you're everybody everybody in the fight does something that is important to saving characters right. or something heroic. And, like, the Mexican dude and the Native American guy are basically... They're there and they're taking guys out, but they're not... Nothing's really, like, challenging them or, like, they're not really getting in any tight spots. Right. And they're not really doing anything, like, heroic that's, like, that's like really cool, like, to, to give them a moment. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just kind of there and they're part of the team. Yeah. But, like... Yeah, they don't like they don't rescue the kids. Yeah. They don't they don't, you know, say, they don't do anything that really saves the day for right. that se- you know, for that scene. Let's go back to that scene at the climax sure. of the two Native Americans fighting. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Explain the psychology filmmaking wise. Oh of, my of god. That, well, cuz the thing is is this uh, 
I had a. As did soon we as, did we explain the scene? As soon as I, I'll get I'll, yeah because yeah. like okay in the beginning of the movie, uh, the first scene we get is the is the the blazing saddles, bunch of white people freaking out in a church scene, mm-hmm. and uh, and oh my god that really hurt the movie for me because it kept reminding me of like a dramatically lit version of Blazing Saddles, right. um, without the Johnson jokes and the and the and the racial jokes, yeah yeah. And like, and then the bad guy busts into the church and like, and just kind of takes over everything and like tells them how, you know, like what, how it is and like makes an offer for their land and they mm-hmm. don't want to sell. And he, when he busts in, he's got a bunch of dudes with him and one of them is the bad Indian. Right. And he, and the bad Indian is wearing like some kind of like civil war uniform that uh, you would assume he must have, like, killed somebody yeah, and, yeah. like, taken their uniform and is wearing it as, like, some kind of symbol. And immediately I'm like, oh, fuck, there's a bad Indian? Yeah. <laughs> like, on the white guy's side? Oh, I have issues. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. that immediately was like, oh, no, like... I Do you think having them fight at the end... Oh God! As soon as and so no, that's exactly and that's the thing is uh, there's a weird thing in Hollywood movies of racial calculation and you know it almost reminds me of Saving Private Ryan because in Saving Private Ryan, Tom Hanks, you know they 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 find that German dude right and they let him go, Uh they let him go and like and and uh, all the oh right and then later he and he's the guy that literally is the guy that kills Tom Hanks. He Uh is the guy that shoots and kills Tom Hanks in the movie because he let him go and he Uh. had some mercy. And that shit pissed me off because that's, that is so antithetical to what I felt was the message of this movie about like random war violence and how it's terrible for everybody. And like everybody, you know, is just fighting, you know, for, you know, because they're supposed, because they're fighting for their own country. And like, and so like it took this like random bit of mercy and turned it into this sense of causality that, that up to that point, it seemed like it was showing war doesn't have that kind of logic. Can you explain, clarify something to me? Oh, just just to finish this point. And so that upset, that kind of convenience of how the guy that Tom Hanks lets go is the guy that shoots him Mm -hmm. is the same convenience of we have an Indian character and like he can't, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to continue the history of showing Native Americans being slaughtered by white men in cinema. Right. So the only guy that he can, you know, (laughs) can fight the Indian is another Indian. Yeah, yeah. And that shit just pisses me off in its own way because it's so convenient and it's so forced and, and, uh, and it doesn't say anything. It doesn't. It doesn't have any commentary on on the bad Indians position or the or the good Indian. Both of them are fighting for white guys. Yeah. Like it doesn't it doesn't do anything, and it just pisses yeah, me yeah, off because yeah. it's just like, why did we even have this? Like, I get that you needed to check the box, and that like you know we're trying to do 2016. Magnificent Seven. We can't have a bunch of white dudes this time. Can't, yeah, have, yeah. can't have seven white guys. Yeah. We have a white, we have a black dude in, in the in the lead. We gotta we gotta mix it up. Right. And but at the same time, still have it be old timey West believable. Yeah. And and you know I get it. Like I get it. Like there's a lot. You know like you know there's a lot of ugly film history of like dealing with Native Americans right. and like and I understand wanting to approach this in a way that is that is sensitive but and and uh and it's a tightrope 
you no. know, because you you can't you can't not include them because that's a huge oversight and that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. To, but at the same time, the way that you go about including them is a ti- is you know you it's a tightrope. Yeah, you yeah. fall in, you know, and you have to be really sensitive about stuff. Well, or? but and that's the thing though is what sensitivity. What at what point does sensitivity cross over to being? Uh, so unrealistic yeah. that it, it it's almost satire. Like, how much do you stick to the story, and how much do you stick to ideology and this one? Well, you know, and how can you n- how can you negotiate between the needs of a story, right? Which is just a story. It's what plays out in a way that is believable, so that you can buy it as a as a narrative, and then these dictums that come from our current politics and Mm -hmm, ideas mm -hmm. of representation right and like you know this is something that a lot of my filmmaker friends don't even want to deal with Mm -hmm. like they just don't want to deal with it and like and it kind of bums me out because it just seems like this is why uh things stay the way they are is because you know it's it's very hard to to negotiate these kinds of things so it's easier to just write from your own perspective Right, right and like and this is something that in terms of authorship is a big controversy right now um, you know, should it be okay for for people of different cultures to write stories set in other cultures? Right. Is that be and and if you if that isn't okay, then does that make all of all of uh, fiction into autobiography? Right. Because you can only reflect on what you know, and if you only you only know what you are, so you know, or where you're from, and what yeah, what you know, what you what you're of. And so, you know, d- what happens to authorship if we tell people, well, you can only write about your own perspective? Does that is that still authorship or yeah. is that navel gazing? Yeah. Is that just repackaging your experience? And, you know, like like I feel like author authorship is about remixing ideas and things in your in your subconscious and and putting it out there. Right. And uh but the pro, you know, it's just the problem, the pro- the real problem is that people want a a simple hard rule about how things should or shouldn't be done, mm-hmm. and like okay, if you're a white guy, you can't write stories about Native Americans because yeah. you're a white dude, which I and think like, is bullshit. I think no, yeah. and I, I well, I I just think it stifles creativity. And the thing is, is that people want these kind of rules so they can say no, you're this, so you can't do that, right. and like it's because that's easy. You know what's hard? Having to read someone's story and figure out if and and really come up with a point of view of how are they looking at things and and in a, in a situation that's very complicated mm-hmm. and very hard to disseminate. Right. So it's so much easier to just be like, you're white, so you can't talk about anything that isn't white. Right. Because and and, but that's. I agree. That's bullshit. Yeah. Like that's not like we we we're Americans. We live in a multiracial culture. Our interactions, for the most part, like depending on where you live, are going to involve different types of people. Yeah, yeah. And so, if I want to write stories about being an American in America, I need to write about people that are not necessarily my culture. Right. And and but we're all Americans, yeah. and I can write about being an American. And like, but that's the thing is, and that's what's so complicated, I, you know, about being an American artist is that we, we are in this melting pot of a country and we experience all these different cultures that are not our own. And yet we're all Americans. Yeah. We are all citizens of the same 
country right. under the same government yeah. and we all have opinions on how things should be run and how things should be here yeah. and so if i want to write a story that involves an american setting i in order to really represent this country i have to write from other right. cultural perspectives mm-hmm. would you say it's on the shoulders of the artist to broaden their horizons to look at other yes cultures but that- but at the same time uh it's it's not it's not like every artist has to go on a on a walkabout right. and discover themselves. Like I I think that that's important and that that artists should look inward and they should know they should seek to understand other things mm-hmm. and other other cultures and other contexts of looking at life. But I also think that um, you need to look. You can you can look outward, but you also need to look inward, and right. it's both of those things. It's right. taking what's around you and trying to understand it, and it's also taking what what you think internally and what you feel, and and trying to 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 coalesce those things into something that is both you and is also a reflection of of where you are, right, and what right, you right, are. right. And, yeah. and that's a complicated thing to do, mm-hmm. and and uh, I understand why my my other filmmaker friends don't want to really take on race as a subject. They just want to tell the story in the way that they think they think it should be told, mm-hmm. and not try to trip themselves up on trying to shoehorn in different in- different oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> trying to shoehorn in different interests and different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, that they might not even necessarily feel comfortable speaking from. Right, right, right. And I, I understand why there's a lack of interest in wanting to go there, but I feel like if you, like I said, if you want to tell American stories, then you have to understand multiple points of view. Right. And you have to understand, um, you just have to have a context for things. You yeah. have to understand people. And, and I, you know, the, the problem is, is that, um, you know, a lot of a lot of people who come to filmmaking, you know, they they want to they they just want to make cool stuff. And yeah. Like, and they you know they saw things growing up that they thought were cool, and they just want to go and do stuff like that. And they don't want to get tripped up on on uh, on on the right way to right. represent yeah. things. They just want to go with their gut, yeah. like 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 the filmmakers did have always done, like artists are supposed to do. Um. And I, I just feel though that you know we we work in this medium that is for the masses that is for that is is uh, overdetermined with so many different influences. It's not like I'm an author and I can ro- sit at a typewriter or stand in front of a canvas and truly create something fully from my own mm-hmm. uh, consciousness. Yeah, you know, in order to make a movie, I have to have sometimes hundreds of people involved yeah and all those people have influences. That's I said overdetermined. That's what overdetermination is. Is that Every individual working on a movie has their own spectrum of influence that they bring to the movie. Mm-hmm. And there's no way to truly define all of those influences to kind of come up with, with a central artistic right. vision because everybody's bringing right, right, their own selves right. into it. So let me ask you this. You, um, oh, no, just to finish. Yeah, go ahead. So when, uh, so when you have that many people involved... You do you do owe more than a, than a novelist or a painter because you involved all these people and you use their energy and you use their creativity to create something that falls behind your vision and so you have some accountability for that mm-hmm. like that that goes you have some accountability for how you use those resources and those people in their time mm-hmm. and so I understand that that. 
we kind of grew up with filmmakers not having to be accountable in that way. Right. And so it's it seems unfair. It seems different. But it's the this is the time that we're in. Yeah. And uh, and and I think it's important for things like movies that that require so much energy and effort from all these different people to to exist right. that you there should be some accountability right, and there right. should be you know you people should ask you questions about your choices and and if you don't want to deal with that then you shouldn't be making movies yeah that's true let me ask you this and then we'll go back to magnificent sure. 7 and then we'll, this was good um, yeah yeah um at one point I became very, very interested in Santos. You know Santos, the the wrestler. Oh, okay, yes. I, yes. I became like not in a joking way. Oh, no, like no. I became very, very interested. Unironically, in Un- exactly. Unironically, I met a guy that actually wrote a book about it and mm-hmm. stuff, and I got the book and I read the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Let's say me, and I'm not Hispanic, but yeah, let's yeah. say one day I was like, you know what? I want to make my a own sa- Mexican. Uh, you want to make a Santos movie? A Santos. You want to make a movie in like. And you should. I if can you, do that. If, no. Yes. Okay, absolutely. Cool. No. That's 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 abs- To me, uh, that's the thing that people don't want to do. Mm-hmm. They want to just have the simple line. They want to match people by color. Right. You're a Persian. You tell Persian stories. Yeah. I'm a Mexican. I can tell Mexican stories. It's bullshit. Yeah. That doesn't. It, to me, it's it's the simplifier. It's easier than having to actually talk to you. Mm-hmm. And find out if you respect the material, if you have real passion for it, and if you understand it. Right. Because there's pl- because there's plenty of times. Uh, oh, this is what I this is something I, I learned recently. I find this fascinating. Uh, uh, the first Kung Fu Panda movie came out. Right. And it was huge in China mm-hmm. because DreamWorks went went nuts researching the local specifics and they got the details right and it was so popular in china that they actually there was actually a cultural discussion within chinese within within chinese culture about how is it that a western animation company did a better job representing china than a chinese one Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and they they kind of concluded that it was because if a, if Chinese people tried to make a movie about China, they would be so obsessed with making it perfect that they would overwork it into something that just wouldn't be as appealing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I I really feel like that there that that proves that you can take a dedicated, passionate team of artists and have them work on something that is outside of their understanding. Yeah. But if they're passionate and they're genuinely trying to get it right, that they can do a better job than the culture itself. Right. Right. And like that tell that to me shows that like it isn't a it's not your it's not your genetics that decide if you can represent a culture effectively in a, in in a visual medium. Yeah. It's it's not that simple and and I know that it makes it easy for people to point fingers and say you can't do this or that because you look this way, but to me that's just as racist. Right, right. Like that to like and again it I the intention is good. But it's it's also lazy, right? And 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 that's the thing is, and you know, I understand because this is a huge nation. There's a ton of people. There's a huge spectrum of intelligence, and so there's just a large portion of our population that just does not grasp subtlety. That that just cannot see gray in between black and white. Mm-hmm, You're mm-hmm. you know, and there's there's just a certain level of person. Um, I'll I would say you know. At, like the average intelligence and lower 
if not you know significantly lower than average mm-hmm. like is that that's the type of person that cannot process anything between you are either good or evil you're either with us or against us like they're bifurcated thinking right where there is no gray area you're one or the other and people like that are the ones that want to say you're white so you can't tell stories about anything that is outside of what you know right right and and you know because it's easy and and because you can't see subtlety if you can't see subtlety then then yes that's the kind of outlook you're going to have and we have a lot of people in this country who that's that's about as far as their perception goes so it's not shocking that that's how they think but I don't think there's really a way to get them to see subtlety so that they can say, oh, okay, there are circumstances where Mm. someone, they're like, no, you look this way, you can only do this. Well, it's like, remember, uh, I don't know, I've only seen a bit of this movie, but remember that movie Better Luck Tomorrow about the Asians? Yeah, 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 yeah. And that movie comes out. Hong Kong shoot Yeah. No, 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 it was, uh, no, no, what was it? Am I thinking of Are you talking about John Woo movie? No, no, it wasn't a John Woo movie. It was Justin Lin. It was oh. his. Remember his first movie? It was. It played at Sundance. It yes, was about. Like, yes, I, I only yes. saw a bit of it. I, I don't have too big of an opinion on it. Uh, honestly, like I, I, you know, Justin Justin Lin is an interesting director because he takes studio assignments and he does more with them than anybody should be able to. Yeah, and so it shows that he has real talent. And I like ability. him. I do yeah, too. Yeah. I enjoy, look. He did one of the best episodes of Community. Yeah, which was the first time I really took notice of him because I hadn't seen any of the fast movies that he mm. really got big off of. And then he did the new Star Trek movie, yeah. and like, and it really showed that he knows where to put the camera. Yeah. He knows how to p- build a sequence, and uh, and you know, and he there's there's. There's authorship in there, and it's he's he's just not trying to. It's just clearly he's not about he's he's not about his own ego and making himself like be seen. He's right. he's doing the job, and yeah, I yeah. kind of respect that because yeah, you're yeah. gonna work for a big ass studio. Yeah. You know, you yeah. know that you know that your your opinion is second. Yeah, and um, at best. Yeah, and so yeah. so I keep kind of like thinking someday this dude's gonna make something that means something to him, and right. it's gonna be awesome. Well, the reason I bring that up is because he made Better Luck Tomorrow, and I think he made another movie, and then all of a sudden they give him Tokyo Drift, mm-hmm. and it's like, why did you give him Tokyo Drift? Was it because you saw his other movies and you thought he could do it, or was it because he's Asian and uh-huh. there's Tokyo? No, exactly. Uh huh. Yeah, it's what you're saying. Yeah, you know absolutely. what I mean? Like absolutely. And, and I like the guy again. Yeah. You know, like well, I, and that, and you know what? He took the job that that because of he was the, smart. Yeah, well, and he did a good and like, and he obviously he kept doing those uh, fast movies yeah. and like you know got really good at at, at uh you know shooting cars going yeah, fast yeah, yeah. and. And he parlayed that into something more, right. and like, good for him. Kudos to him yeah, for doing yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, you know, trying to trying to navigate this the system as it is right now is tough. Right, right. And the thing that sucks for him though is that, you know, he's taken on all of these all of these assignment jobs, and so he's a jobber. Well, and that's the thing is that like, I mean, it doesn't mean that he's closed the door for him doing his own personal work. But it's the thing is that people hear his name and they think about the the movies that he's done, but like they don't, you know, they don't see it as an assignment. They see that as like his work. Yeah. And it's like 
It's like nobody says, oh, let's go see the new Justin Lin movie. You know, right? Like, yeah, and like at some point that might happen, though. That's yeah. the thing. This guy's surprising to me. I like, like him. I I, no, I, I, well, I like his stuff. Well, I think that again, like I like his stuff because you can see that there's something more in there, yeah. and that, and at some point, hopefully, that will get to come out. Yeah, like, well, I and think be it's, it's be its own thing. Yeah, like his first movie, even though I've only seen bits of it, is mm-hmm. saying something. You mm-hmm. know. And uh, his other stuff, it's like big budget stuff. It's yeah, but and that's the thing is that again, you can tell that he's kind of muted there. That he doesn't have as he's not going to get as much to yeah. say, and he knows that. Yeah, and so he's not trying to. He's just trying to do a good job at making turning out an effective piece of entertainment. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, but you can tell like just from from the the control of what he's doing that there's that he has more ideas and more and he has more of a of a visual acuity than he's getting right. allowed to flex yeah. okay and so hopefully someday he'll get around yeah. he'll he'll get something that's yeah. good and you know maybe he's maybe he he's got something big and he's not going to get to do it until he does enough of these that, yeah. that they reward him like nolan yeah. style yeah you know nolan would never have gotten inception if warner's was like dude please make another batman yeah, movie yeah, we'll yeah, give you yeah. whatever you want you want a 200 million dollar weird dream movie we'll <laughs> yeah, do it yeah. just just finish the trilogy we'll put leonardo in it yeah, just yeah dude no no actually no it's the other way around they were like look dude we'll let you do whatever you want you just get leo in there yeah. and fuck, we'll give you uh we'll give you so much money you'll make the weirdest art house movie ever like <laughs> I, I with bet the you. most money ever yeah like between dark knight and dark knight rises they probably called him every day like hey hey chris how you doing they're like do you no i'm just like what do you want to do man what is it you want to do we'll let you like we'll make you we'll let you make the that's the thing like not to digress to inception but Inception's like the most that's the biggest budget art house movie you could make like like i watched that movie and that's that's what nolan is to me is that he on the divide between artistic accessibility and uh excuse me the difference between artistry and accessibility right so you know, he could have made Inception in a pure cinematic way mm-hmm. where someone who knows how to read visuals could watch it and understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. And But move, in order to do the visuals in that movie, you need $100 million yeah. or more. And so he knows that in order to do those visuals and make that money back, movie's got to be understandable to the cheap seats and the and people who don't know how to read visuals right so that means that there's a ton of exposition there's a ton of scenes in there where someone is basically telling you how shit works yeah explaining to ellen page how, yes yeah. exactly and he could have done that visually and then he would have lost a hundred million dollars in grosses probably or more right but it, it would have been hard to follow for the average person but people like you and me who know how to watch movies would yeah. be like this is this is the dopest yeah but instead he's Sorry, like Harrison. no it's all right instead he's like i'm gonna do the trade-off and i'm gonna explain this so that everybody can follow it and it's gonna sacrifice a little bit of what could have been a more abstract yeah. and cinematic movie yeah but overall it will be more successful culturally because more people will be able to watch it and get right, it right and he always makes that call like the same with with interstellar where he's like i'm gonna do 2001 themes but i'm gonna have someone tell you what's going on this right, time right. so that nobody has to, so that these millennials who would never have the patience to watch 2001 yeah. can get the themes and have it explained to them in a way that they can appreciate by the way i have to ask you i haven't seen interstellar uh-huh. but as someone who 2001 is your oh, movie oh yeah that's my movie how yeah. did you feel about interstellar it's and without spoiling no, no, I yeah seen it's it a, it's a nice again he's trying to he's trying to take the themes 
and make them palatable to a millennial audience along with other thoughts that he has on space travel. Uh-huh. And, and I thought that, again, smart stuff could have been even more cinematic, but it's so visually uh, epic that you can't afford to do those I kind of I think you visuals. saw it in theaters and yes, all that. Yes, I yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh. oh, my God. That's not... Yeah, I don't know if you could watch that movie on a small screen. Yeah. See, I, lo- I missed the boat. It's like Gravity. Yeah. Like, those, those... I don't even know if it would work. Right. Like, I mean, I'm sure it will still have some of the feeling to mm-hmm. it, but I, I don't know. Okay. Like, so, rounding back to, to Magnificent, Magnificent Seven, Seven. Mm-hmm. you know, our my hero, Roger Ebert, he had this thing, thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah. I believe that's trademark, so we'll use the middle finger. Sure, sure. Uh, uh, and we'll do it three ways. You could give it middle finger up, okay. middle finger down, uh-huh. or middle finger pointing to the cinema for the listener to go decide for themselves. I mean, the thing is, is it depends on what you want out of movies. If you If you just want, if you like westerns, you will probably enjoy this movie. So middle finger up for yeah, that. Yeah. But, you know, if you want to see something, like, you see, like, oh, it, you know, it has Denzel, like, you know, it's gonna, it, you know, maybe it's gonna, if if you want to see a rote Western, this is a good example of, of one. It does all the beats. It doesn't challenge itself to do much more than that. And it lets you know that right away. And uh, if that's enough for you, then that's, this will be a good time. All right, cool. Okay, so so you kind of gave a one up, one down. Kind of, yeah, okay. I mean, it just depends on what you want out of it. Okay. Um, I I, I got a good time out right. of it. Yeah. Um, and and I kind of expected a little more fireworks from from Denzel at some yeah, point, yeah. but he's playing the Toshiro part, so that's going to be yeah, understated. Yeah. I get it. No. Um, if you like Chris Pratt, if you like Chris Pratt, go see it. Yeah. He had a great. He was fun to watch the whole time. Um. And, uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. I give it one middle finger up. I enjoyed mm-hmm. it. And um, I will leave it at this. Jesse, let's start our own magnificence. Let's go to a town <laughs> where people are being bullied and let's help them. <laughs> I'll be Denzel. Who do you want to be? be uh, I don't, you know what? I'll be Kevin Bacon in Dirty Dancing. Cause oh, that's, yeah? That's much more the plot these so, days. Th- like, so, so, so while I'm shooting, you'll dance, yeah, I'll with, dance the, around. With, the, with the lady town uh-huh, folks. Right? Like, yeah. And we'll, and we'll somehow progress society through through shooting and dancing all right cool well anything else you want to add about magnificent seven jesse uh no i mean it was it i i hope they don't do a sequel (laughs) magnificent eight yeah right i was about to say (laughs) magnificent seven two yeah yeah yeah, but um that's kind of a mouthful yeah i don't uh, I hope they just leave it at that. And, I, you know, it was it was interesting because when I was going in, when we were going in, you were like, you were expecting it to kind of ape Django, yeah. And I was just kind of thinking of it like, okay, now I'm gonna go watch Antoine Fuqua imitate Kurosawa, who is imitating John Ford, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. and that is kind of, I feel like that is kind of what it was doing. Yeah, like it did have a lot of kind of Fordian composition. Yeah, I mean, there was obviously some, you know, there was some of the other Western iconography stuff in there um i kind of chuckled at the beginning because they do the pan up to the town right, and there's right. a fence in front of it and it's just like every fucking western ever yeah, yeah, yeah like there's a bunch of of stuff that i was just like man yeah we've been framing these shots for a hundred years yeah. like I, I don't know one of the things that just to go ahead yeah. i was mentioning to you on the way to the movie i love silent film and mm-hmm. one of the th- like there's a romanticism to early silent film. There was a time where if you wanted to be in a movie, you had to know how to ride. 
And like that's yeah. can you imagine that yeah, era? Yeah, yeah. Like where where like you're I'm an actor. Can you ride? Well, you're not an actor now. Like yeah, like yeah, yeah. that's and um, this is something that most people don't know about. And I actually think it's a great setting for a western. Is that old movie companies when they first came out to California. Uh, they had to hide from these patent companies because the, the companies that own the cameras uh-huh. were really, really shady. Uh-huh. And they would hire goons to hunt movie crews and the goons would shoot the camera <laughs> so that they would have to go take the camera and get it repaired and buy another camera. Oh, that's nuts. That's how the, that's how the camera companies would make. And they would say, they, they said it was legal because they said they were using their camera without paying them for the, for the use to use it or something yeah. like some kind of, some kind of, uh, 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 what is it when you make an invention? And you patent. Have to, thank you. Yeah. Some kind of a patent thing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it's total bullshit. Anyway, so these movies used to have to go into deep into the Santa Monica, not Santa Monica, Santa Barbara Hills, uh-huh. and they would go and they would shoot westerns. Uh, you know, just by like a, 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 a. It's so romantic. It's a. It's a. This is all beautiful. Yeah, what you're with describing. a horse. It's all the actors are on horses. You got a cameraman. There's no sound, obviously, right. and uh, and they have a wagon, and so they shoot. They shoot during the day, and then the 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 director develops the film in the wagon and cuts by candlelight, and they That's crazy. and they and they would figure out the length of the shot by taking the film in their hands, and they knew if they stretched their arms from if they had the film from arm to arm that that length was a certain amount of time. And so that's how they knew, like, okay, this is like a few seconds, and they watch it to figure out what was in the shot, and they would splice it together in the wagon, and then they would, after the end of the week, they would take, like, a couple of shorts that they had shot, and they would take them, they would have one guy go to the train station, because they were had to stay hidden. Yeah. And so they would have one guy take the film cans to the station and ship them out, and pick up the money and the new film stock for the next week's shoots. And what would happen is they'd be out there for, for like, weeks, filming a short or two every week, uh-huh. and sending them out. And, like, the company's getting them and releasing them, and they're getting famous, and they have no idea because uh-huh. they're, the, they're out in the woods just shooting. And so they, after a few weeks, they finish. They come back to the city, and they're, like, huge now because their movies have been coming out for weeks now, every week. And, uh-huh. like, and then what would happen is the director, Alan Dwan, would go – this is where I got all these stories from is an Alan Dwan interview. Uh-huh. He would go watch the new Griffith shorts – take notes on what he was doing and where he would put the camera and then go out and shoot and ape his style which is what everybody was doing when people talk about the influence of Griffith that really is it right there people would go and watch his stuff and then go and shoot and like try to do what he did Jesse my friend (laughs) you just you just fed my heart and my head thank you so much you're welcome thank you everybody follow me on twitter at mr nasred follow me on instagram at mr dot nasred email me at nasredpodcast at gmail.com and visit me at nasred.com for all of your nasred needs and please do like share and subscribe on itunes and leave me a beautiful review goodbye friends